Good morning and welcome to each of you this morning. Good to see each of you here. Welcome to our visitors. And I extend greetings to each of you in the worthy name of our Lord and Savior. The one who is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And I'm grateful this morning to be serving a God like that, a God who is faithful and one who needs and deserves all the glory and honor and power. For myself, I guess I have the privilege, I guess you could call it a privilege, to be sitting in the front usually and when the singing, when you're singing. And as we're singing this morning, I especially thought about it, that the singing was really strong and uh, it was a blessing to me. And as Jason mentioned, it is a marvel that we do this year after year. We, we sing about the Son of God. And it's a story that doesn't get old. The wonderful story of love. It's amazing. This morning for a message, the title of the message is, Lead Us Not Into Temptation. And I get this from the Lord's Prayer. We pray that prayer. We say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us not our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You ever think about what you pray when you pray that prayer? And especially looking at that part today, lead us not into temptation. How are we tempted? And who leads us into temptation? Do we all face temptations? Is it sin to be tempted? How do you respond to temptation? I think that each one of us here would acknowledge and recognize that we are all faced with temptation, that we are tempted at times in one way or another. Ever since Satan was cast out of heaven and the creation of mankind, and when He came there when the devil came to Eve, Adam and Eve there. Ever since Satan was cast out of heaven and and he had that opportunity to come to mankind and tempt them, we are faced, we all have been faced with temptation. It has existed ever since the first human beings. And so this thing of temptation is ongoing. Jason read that portion of scripture there from Luke chapter 4. As we look at that portion of scripture, we have a perfect scenario or a perfect example of someone overcoming sin. I don't know what you think of when you look at this story or when you think of this story. Jesus responded in the right and perfect way. And he didn't give in to this thing that he was tempted with. Sometimes I find myself grappling when I, when I think of this story and this account, how that Jesus is God. And so since he is God, is there even any way that he could sin? Is there even a possibility that he could have made a wrong choice? 
And so I grapple with that sometimes when I think of Jesus. Well, of course, he was the son of God. How was he going to sin? How was he even going to mess up when he was tempted? And so what is the big deal about him being tempted since he couldn't sin? Or could he sin? For you and I, when we are tempted, we will fail at times. We are not God. And I recognize that Jesus was fully man at the same time that he was fully God. And that is more than our human minds can grasp. And so I do believe that Jesus did have a choice to make when he was tempted. And he showed us how it can be done. The point is not so much whether he could sin or could not sin, but that he showed us how it is possible to be victorious. And so I want to look at, first of all, what is temptation and what does it mean to be tempted? When the Bible was translated to the King James Version, the word temptation referred to testing, to trying, were enticing to evil. And so some of the newer versions use words like testing and proving and trying and tempting instead of using the word temptation. In the King James Version, you will see the word temptation used most times, but it can mean any one of those words. So temptation, defining temptation, you could say temptation is the desire to do something wrong, harmful, and unwise, the desire to do something wrong, harmful, or unwise. And we use the word tempted quite frequently. We'll say that I was tempted to go here, or I was tempted to eat this. And we use it in different ways, and the things that we refer to, I was, I was tempted to do that. And really what we're trying to say that there's the, the possibility of us doing something that is wrong or maybe it's harmful or an unwise thing to do. In addition to that, a temptation can be viewed as a situation when someone experiences a challenge or test in their obligations toward God. And the test often determines if a person will choose fidelity or unfidelity whether he will choose faithfulness or unfaithfulness. I find it interesting that the Greek word for tempt, and I won't try to pronounce that Greek word, but it, in the Greek word for tempt, it is the same as test. And so the difference is the context and the motivation. And so that's why you will see in the newer versions, you will often see the word test instead of, or, or prove instead of temptation. Because the Greek word tempt and test is the same. And that which Satan uses as temptation for evil, God may allow us to be tested for his good or to purify it or strengthen us. We have that example of Joseph. He mentions that to his brothers there in Genesis 50 verse 20 where he is telling his brothers, he is revealing to his brothers who he is, where it was actually at the end of, of uh, after his, their father had died, they were concerned about 
what Joseph was going to do to them. But he reminded them again that as for you, you thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. Tremendous testimony. So we are faced out in life. What Satan can mean for evil, God at times can make it for good. And so why the difference? God's purpose is not to harm, but to prove or test us. And God already knows our weaknesses. But testing reveals the areas where we need to improve in our reliance on him. And when we learn to rely on God, there's something about that his power is revealed to others through us. There's something about relying on God and not on ourselves. Secondly, I want to look at where does temptation come from. And I think it's important for us to recognize where temptation comes from. Let's read there in Luke 4, where Jason read from. I'm going to read the first two verses. Again, here we're in Luke chapter 4, 1 and 2. It says this, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Here says that Jesus, that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And that is where he was tempted by the devil. If you look at Matthew 4, verse 1 there, it says that Jesus was then led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? There are two things that I want us to think about when we, when we, uh, to remember this scripture. And that is that Jesus is truly God and truly man. The second thing is that God does not tempt and we know that the time here of Jesus, him being in the wilderness, it was a time, of, an extended time of fasting and prayer. And if you think about it, 40 days is a long time. And it was a time when Jesus put aside the demands of his human nature. I think it was a time of him going there and connecting with his heavenly father. A time of him growing spiritually. And even putting his dependence on his heavenly father and living in submission and obedience to what his father wanted to accomplish through him. And it was the end of those 40 days that Satan comes to take advantage of the physical weakness and hunger that Jesus would have been at that point. And Satan knew exactly, knew of a good time to take that opportunity, a time when he was physically weak. And there he came to tempt Jesus. Now, the Gospel of Luke often refers to Jesus as the Son of God and the Son of Man. And these two titles really do speak of two complete natures that Jesus had. Because while Jesus had a fully divine nature, he chose to operate in this world from a human from, from a fully human nature so that he could represent us. And that's, that's amazing that God coming to this earth 
and being fully man, representing man. And in his humanity, I, I think it's possible that Jesus could have given in to temptation and moved outside the will of the Father. And I know this is something that we can probably toss around and argue about. But if he was fully man, wasn't it possible for him to sin? Because if that was not the case, I don't think it would have been true temptation. And yet at the same time, in his spirit-powered humanity, Jesus did not sin. I invite you to turn to James chapter 1. And I'm going to look at verses 13 through 15. And in the verses prior to this, James tells us in this letter that we should that we should choose to rejoice that our faith is tested when our faith is tested because that's how God builds character within us. And at the same time, he also makes it clear that God doesn't tempt us. We have this in verses 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Here we can see that God does not tempt us. But he makes it clear of how we are tempted. This is one of the ways that he says that we are tempted. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So it's when, it's not God tempting us, but it's our own desires that pull us away from doing what is right. And scripture also tells us that it's our flesh. That's our flesh. It's our sinful nature. And when we let that overpower us or draw us away from doing what is right, that is sin. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And here it gives us a description of what sin is. And you hath, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Here it gives us the description of uh, the sources of temptation. It's the devil, and it's the world. Those are sources of temptation. And in 1 John, you can read, of, there it gives us the description of what the world is. It mentions there that the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. John gives us 
that description, and he, and he describes it very, gives de- more details there, and I would encourage you to read that portion of Scripture. I'm not going to take the time to read that, but read that sometime. We have all been born into this world as sinners. That's something we didn't have a choice. We are born into this world as sinners. And our tendency to fall into temptation, I don't think it's something that God created in us. The tendency to fall into creation, or to fall into temptation, is not something that God created within us. But it's a consequence, it's the consequences of disobedient and sinful hearts. And so we're all vulnerable to be tempted. And especially those three areas as John describes it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In the Old Testament, there are a number of times that you can read of the judges or the kings and uh, some, of the, the, some of the kings of Israel or Judah and even other nations and how that they led other people into sin. So we, we talked about being the sources of temptation coming from the world, from the devil, but also, as you look at, there's a number of scriptures that refer to that in the Old Testament of what the leaders did and kings and judges, the things that they did and the things that they made available by making the, the idols and the images that they made, they made it possible and even available for the people. They led the people into sin. They led the people into sin because of their own actions and the things that they were involved in. And it's devastating and and severe consequences when you think of that. And for the years of the consequences that they suffered because of being led into sin. What a terrible thing to do, to lead others into sin. But that is what sin does. When we choose to sin we will lead others to sin also. When we choose to sin, we will lead others to sin. And so we can see in the scriptures that temptation comes from the, from the devil, from Satan himself. It comes from our flesh and selfish desires. And it comes from the world and, and others and from others. People will lead others into sin. And yet we know that God does not tempt us as the scripture says. But that does not mean that he doesn't test us. Think of when God led the the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they came to the point where they had the Red Sea on the one side, and then they had the Egyptian army, the biggest army at that point, the biggest army in the world at that point. They had the Red Sea and that army on either side of them. And why would God take them to such a place? And I believe it was here where God tested them. Or if it depends on the word you want to use, temp or test. God does, God does allow us to be placed in situations where we are tested or we, where we are tempted. I want to look at some things of how we can resist temptation. And I think, as, as I mentioned before, we, we would all recognize 
that temptation is something that is common for all people. It's not a question of if you will be tempted, uh, if, if you will be tempted, but it's a question of when. And feeling tempted about something does not necessarily make you a bad person or a weak Christian. It's simply a saying that we're human. And I realize that in the midst of our temptations, we often can feel very alone and like nobody else could understand the struggle that I'm dealing with. And that's exactly where Satan wants to get us. That's a lie from the enemy. To get us to a place where we think that no one else would face anything like this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you are able. But with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. To me, this verse is, is very comforting. Because there's a promise here for us. First of all, any, ten, any temptation that you or I have, someone else has been tempted with that also. It's nothing new. Something that you're tempted with, the things that you're tempted with is nothing new. It's a common thing. Then also this verse says that God is faithful and that he will not test us beyond our ability to endure it. And think about that. God will not test us beyond our ability to endure it. And then also that he makes a way out for us. This verse says that. I'm going to read this verse again. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So I trust that we can find comfort in that God makes a way to escape our temptations. Because the truth is that we are too weak. We are weak and we are subject to temptation. And we really are unable to overcome it on our own. And I think we would recognize that we will not always be able to avoid all temptation. But let's remember that God is providing a way out. God provides a way out. And it seems like God allows some temptations and testings in our lives so that we recognize our own weakness and our own the, the possibility of, of us failing and that our dependency is on God and not on self and the things that we want to rely on. Jesus teaches us to pray like, like he says in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, we have that phrase, lead us not into temptation. And then there's a request, but deliver us from evil. And the fact that Jesus tells us to pray, I think should tell us that, tell us something about avoiding temptation should be one of our concerns as Christians. 
Jesus gave this prayer for us. He gave it as an example. And so I think he is telling us there is that possibility of us being tempted, and we're not going to be able to avoid it. And it should be one of our concerns. And as you look at Scripture, and especially the Psalms, God, the idea of God leading his people is a main theme of the Scripture. And especially if you look in Psalms, you can find that many times where David is crying out and he's asking God to lead him. And then, he, then you even go to Psalm 23 where it says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And Psalm 139, he's saying there, lead me not in the way of everlasting. And you can find that a number of times throughout Psalms of pleading to God to lead us. And along with leading us toward good, when we're asking God to lead us toward good at the same time we're asking God to lead us away from evil and even though we read that I read that verse from 1 Corinthians 10:13 and there it tells us that we will experience temptation i believe that God still wants us to ask him to lead us not into temptation because this is asking God to save us from ourselves and from the evil one because God is not the one that is tempting us or enticing us and so when we when we pray that prayer lead us not into temptation I, I see it as a cry of the soul or, or a plea for help and asking God and begging God that he would not take us into anything that we are not able to endure And it's recognizing that I can't do this alone. And you might ask, is it wrong to ask God that we may be delivered from temptations and testings? Is that, is that wrong to ask God to remove temptations and testings? Think about what Jesus did in the garden. He pleaded with God that God would remove the cup from him. But he ended it with, thy will be done. And I think we can follow the example of Jesus. And in fact, I know we can. I don't think it's wrong to ask that we're not tempted or tested. But then and also on that, that we say, and we are completely surrendered to the will of the Father. Because sometimes we will be tested. And you might illustrate Jesus' words, lead us not into temptation, like a mother that takes her, her children to the grocery store shopping. And uh, when she comes to the candy aisle, she decides that, you know what, it's not worth going down that aisle because of all the begging, the whining, the pouting that, it, that it's going to bring. And so in her wisdom, she decides that she doesn't need to go down the candy aisle that day, but... She can go there some other time because it's not worth taking her children into that temptation. And I wonder if our Heavenly Father is like that at times. I 
And yet, I know that we will face temptation. There are times that God does allow it. But I think there also there are things that we can do in areas that we know that we are tempted. There are things that we can do to avoid going into that situation. Praying, lead me not into temptation, can be like praying, God, don't take me down the candy aisle today. I think when we're in tune with God and with ourselves, I think we can learn to recognize what our weaknesses are, and we should recognize and and know where our weaknesses are. And so we take the necessary steps not to go down that wrong path or that path where we're going to be tempted. When Jesus was praying in the garden there, he he took some of his disciples with them and some of the closer ones, he, he took them with him to to a certain spot, and then he continued on to pray. And there he prayed. The scripture says that he prayed for, or I think it says one hour. He came back to the the disciples and he said, what, could you not watch with me one hour? They were there sleeping. And he said to them, the thing that he said to them, he said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here was a time that Jesus was in desperate need of others praying for him. And those closest to him, they were sleeping. And so he challenged them. He kind of rebuked them. He said, watch and pray. Why aren't you alert? Why aren't you ready? And I think he was also reminding them or wanting them to to catch a glimpse of what they're going to face. Because he knew that they're also going to be tempted. It's not going to be long till they were going to be tempted to flee. And that's exactly what they did. Peter had emphatically said that he would not, he would not leave him or, or forsake him. And Jesus knew that. And so he told them, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. But they were sleeping. So typical us, of us as humans. Sometimes we don't have very much foresight. And so I believe that we need to pray for that too. That we can see what God is wanting to teach us. I want to go back to Luke chapter 4 and notice how Jesus responded to those temptations after being in the wilderness 40 days. Satan comes to Jesus at, at a time when his flesh is weak. And we know the story, we know the account very well here, how that first of all, that when Satan is tempted, or he, he first of all, he tempts Jesus to turn the, the stones to bread to satisfy his hunger. And what an easy thing for Jesus to do, simply to, to turn the stones into bread. And what was wrong, if you think about it, what was really wrong or what would be wrong with turning the stones into bread? He was hungry after all, wasn't he? Why not turn them into bread? A very easy thing for Jesus to do. We read of the many miracles that Jesus did. Could have easily done that. The second thing that Satan showed Jesus, the kingdoms of the world, and then he offered them to him. And the third thing that he does, he he challenges Jesus' identity and relationship with God. And he tempts Jesus to prove himself. He says, prove yourself who you are. 
And Jesus gives us the perfect example here. I've mentioned this before of how to respond by faith to the lies and the temptation of the evil one. And each time Jesus, that Jesus was tempted, each one of them, he would, each time he used scripture to refute the temptations that Satan was bringing. And I think we also need to recognize his ability. His victory was not only about his ability to recall scripture, but also in demonstrating his obedience to the principles of scripture. Jesus trusted God. And Jesus was willing to be submitted and committed to his heavenly father. He could, not, he could have done each one of these, no problem. But he would have been violating what God wanted him to do. Jesus knew the path ahead would be painful. And yet he trusted his father's plan and timing. But he, could have, he could have took that shortcut. And he could have had a lot of power right there with Satan. But he knew that would be violating what God wanted him to do. And so he was totally obedient to the will of his father, no matter what the cost would be to himself. And, and he accomplished that obedience for our sake. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I don't know how you find this verse when, when you read this verse. This is another one of those things. That it, in some ways, it can be hard to imagine that Jesus would be tempted, was tempted in every way possible. And when you look at history, the history of humanity, ever since the fall, man has been basically tempted with the same things. It's a cycle. It's over and over again. God gave the Ten Commandments. He gave the law to Moses. And when you think of the Ten Commandments, that's really what we battle against. Those are the things that we are tempted against. All those thou shalt not. And then there is a few that do not have the thou shalt not. Remember the Sabbath day and then honor your father and mother. Think about those Ten Commandments. Is that what we grapple with? That's been the scenario all throughout the history of mankind. The battle of following those Ten Commandments. Those are some of the temptations that we face. And so I asked this morning, what are the temptations that you are facing? What are the temptations that I am facing? Do you recognize your temptations? We don't like to name our temptations. We're tempted to go places, we're tempted to do things, we're tempted to say things that we shouldn't do or say or places that we shouldn't go. Some of us are, some of us are tempted to accumulate wealth or material things. Some of us are tempted to overeat. Some of us are tempted to appear good on the outside. When there's things inside that we should be dealing with, but we don't want to be we don't want to reveal that messy part about us. 
Some of us carry our temptations in our pockets. And the list can go on and on. What is your temptation? And to think that Jesus was tempted in all areas, in all areas like we are. How's that even possible? They didn't have the things that we do today. And yet the Bible tells us that he was tempted in all areas like we are, yet without sin. So what are we going to do with the things that, what are you going to do? What am I going to do with the things that I am tempted with? Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And that word succor there means being able to assist and support And here again, that's a promise that we have in the scripture. That Jesus suffered. He was tempted, but he is able to assist or support them that are tempted. Jesus didn't have to endure temptation. In his divinity, he could have have bypassed all that or even destroyed the tempter. But that wasn't God's plan. And so to us, I think it should give us courage to know that our Savior has experienced temptations just as we do and was victorious in his humanity. And he used all the same tools that are available for us today. He showed us exactly how it can be done. And we have access to the same tools that he used. I want to remind us that temptation itself is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Sin occurs when we mishandle temptation and when we allow it to become action, and even action in our mind, as the scripture tells us. Sin occurs when we mishandle temptation and when we allow it to to become action. Temptation is not always obvious Think about a fisherman. A hook is hidden in that bait, creating problems that we're not bargaining or prepared for. And we have an enemy. We have one who will take, will put some bait on that hook in any way that he can cover that hook he will. And so when dealing with temptation, I think we need to be aware that who we are actually dealing with Because the devil is out there to destroy us and we need to be aware of our own weakness and to be humble and honest with God. And yet when we are tempted or tested, we can claim the promise that God has made a way of escape. It's not hopeless. And another way that we can deal with our weakness or temptations is to be vulnerable about our weaknesses within a trusted community. Part of the lie of of the enemy is is to be ashamed of our temptations and to keep it secret. That's a lie from the devil. James 5.16 makes it clear what we are to do with our faults. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so we need each other. We need each other's prayers. We need each other's support and encouragement. 
in the testings and the temptations that we face in life. And by God's mercy, we can be overcomers. By God's mercy and grace, we can be overcomers. And I trust that together that we can be an encouragement to each other and being willing to be vulnerable with our shortcomings and our weaknesses and so that we can pray for each other and to be overcomers. I want to close with the words from Jesus in Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Kneel with me for prayer.